You're on speaking terms. This is Sam. This is James. Perfect. Welcome to the episode. Um, today we're going to kind of introduce ourselves, um, talk about each other, see what's going on. Um, kind of try to set the theme for future podcasts in a way, and kind of like our idea behind the podcast, at least what from what I understand, is like help get people to open their minds in a way. Would you agree with that, James? I agree with that. Okay, yeah. Kind of like think critically, but also like be aware of the outside world. I don't know. Be in the world, but not of the world. Understand everything. Mm. Broaden your perspective. That's yeah. what I mean. Yes. Perfect. Yeah. All right. So today we're going to do like introductions kind of. So to begin, it's probably good to start with like uh, how we met, why we're doing this kind of thing. Yeah. So I'll start out with James. You, t- you can start with your side, I guess. I'll take over at some point. I don't know. All right. So Sam and I met each other at work. I started working there back in August. Sam had been there for seemingly years before. <laughs> <laughs> well, my time perspective was skewed until I started to get to know people. Mm. Um, started as a phlebotomist. Sam was one of my designated trainers. Uh, what, another girl there was also one of my trainers. Who's that? Allie. Oh, okay, good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wait, are we supposed to name names I here? I don't really care. Okay, cool. I, unless they ask us not to, I don't know. I think Allie's a decent lady. Well, she's a decent lady. I like her. Mm-hmm. She's taught me a lot of stuff. She has. Um, yeah, I've been working at Griffles like, I want, I want to say like eight months maybe. We work at a place called Griffles. It's a place I where know. we people don't eat plasma. If you don't know what that is, you can look it up, I guess. It's pretty cool. We're the people that stick donors with needles. Yeah, phlebotomists. Phlebotomists. That's what we're called. <laughs> um, but yeah, I was working there like eight months. Mm-hmm. Um, I just become a trainer, designated trainer, DT as they call it. Yeah, I was one of your first trainees. You were. So there was Taylor I trained for a day. Yeah. I guess it kind of feels weird to use names. Hey, there's another girl, there was <laughs> no. a, another dude, and then there was James. And James was like... It was you and Logan at the same time, right? Yeah, and Logan had other people. Yeah, he did. That he, he worked with. But I feel like I opened the center up more with you, and then we like work shifts, like whole shifts together, mm-hmm. and kind of got to. You learned a lot from me as well as other people, but I feel like I was the main person you got to learn from, kind of. I agree with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I kind of got bounced around to everyone, but I think you were the most consistent person I yeah. was with. I feel like that's because we opened a lot together. I think. I don't know. I don't remember. I was like. Opening one day and then closing the next and then opening the next day. Yeah. And they throttled my sleeping schedule. They kind of it was you the worst. The I don't like thing. it. Yeah. yeah. And nothing's changed. And nothing's changed. <laughs> they still kind of screw us over that way. <laughs> <laughs> the schedule is always up and down. Yeah. But that's fine. That's just how work is. So, that's, that's life. Um, but yeah, I don't know. From the start, James, you're a pretty decent guy. Um, you were kind of like this goofy, like, enigma. In a good way. I don't I don't use goofy in, no, like, no, no. a mean way. Yeah. But I was like, yeah, James is neat, I guess. And I didn't, typically when I open with people, I don't like talking to them. I don't like talking mm-hmm. to anyone um, because it's, it's five in the morning. Like, who wants to be awake at that time? At least that's my opinion of it. But I don't know. Opening with newer flebs is fun because you get to be like, oh, and this is why you have to do this. And this is why you have to do this. And it kind of helps you stay up on your game a little better. It does. I don't know. I, don't know. I think I first started to like really connect with you when... We were closing one night, and you started asking these really meaningful questions. I don't know. It's hard to ask meaningful questions in the place that we work because it's fast-paced. You're doing stuff all the time. And, and to some degree, there's a lot of stress going on, so it's harder to like yeah. come down off a superficial level of just like working, 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 mm-hmm. and then go into, like, oh, why do you think that way? Or, like, what's important to you in life? Or what are your values kind of thing? 
I know. And I think that's my default setting. Yeah. And so it was a big adjustment coming from not working to just doing school to doing just work and kind of like evolving into the culture mm-hmm. that Griffles has. And so I was like, okay, I guess no one wants to answer my questions or just how <laughs> people reacted. I was like, okay, I guess this is there, not the environment for that. There are a lot of prickly pears <laughs> that we have to work with. Mm-hmm. But I think that's where I started to gain kind of like a more personal respect for you. I respect everyone's work, mm-hmm. but the varying degree that I get to know people personally depends on how well they open up. Yeah. And I think that's fair for anybody though. Yeah. It's just, it's difficult for me. It is. Um, that's an interesting thing I found though, is like working with our, the environment that we work in, I feel like it's pretty unique. Agreed. Agreed. It's an entry level job. Um, all you need is a high school diploma or equivalent to work there, but you work, but like, I feel like there, I don't know how to explain that. I feel like it's like, uh, I don't know if that's like entitled to say like, oh, we have a high stress environment that we work in, but to some degree, there is a lot of stress that we have to deal with. And I feel like in that situation, you're able to kind of pick people's brains more because they're a little more open and vulnerable because you have to work with them in this high stress situation. Agreed. If you could call it high stress. I feel like it's, it's pretty low key. Okay. I just have to say this. The mm. technical skill that you have to have mm. is pretty, well, it's not like high, mm. you know, you're not working on aircraft. Yeah. But like, if you don't know what you're doing, you can mess stuff up and hurt people. Yeah. And so you have to be cognizant and observe it in what you're doing. And it's more than just putting products on shelves yeah. or like, you can't go on autopilot when you're sticking people. Exactly. When you're setting up the machine. Sure. Mm-hmm. I go on autopilot, but when you're sticking people, you have to pay attention to some. Yes. Yeah. And that's what I've found. And it's easy to like, when people are just going on autopilot, you can have some pretty decent conversations with them. True. Agreed. So I'd love to know more about your backstory. <laughs> like, tell me, like, who you are. As a person? As a person, yeah. yeah. That's an like, interesting question to ask off the get-go. But yeah, um, I don't know. I grew up in Wyoming my entire life till I was 18. I lived in Wyoming. Um, middle of nowhere, Wyoming, I might add. That's I'm, all of Wyoming. <laughs> but, sorry. <laughs> um, I, I don't know. It's interesting to explain, though, because I grew up in a family with like five other siblings and obviously two parents well not obviously sorry some people have two parents i I apologize but two parents five siblings big family and so that was kind of like the gang like we went to church on sundays whatever um but outside of that i feel like the only interaction we had was with each other until i was like really six seven eight years old a lot of the interaction i like social interaction i had was at church or with my family. So growing up, I mean, it wasn't bad. I enjoyed it a lot. I mean, I, with my family members, like we all have a pretty close relationship. I'd like to think, but it wasn't looking back. I wish there had been more opportunity for like social growth. Not to say there there wasn't. I feel like at five, my mom put me in preschool. I got to hang out with a lot of kids and I wasn't like this abnormal, like social outcast. Like I had lots of friends growing up, but and I don't know if that explains like the backstory very well, but no, it does. It does for a little bit. I was, I don't know. I had, I have four sisters and a brother. And my sisters are always like sisters do. They talk a lot. And so I've grown to be a little more reserved, a little more quiet, kind of comfortable doing my own thing on my own terms. Like, I don't know. It's pretty simple. What about, does that, cool. does that help explain uh, a little yeah, bit? Yeah. 
Um, so I did not grow up in Wyoming. Mm-hmm. I was originally born in New Mexico. Mm-hmm. My mom is an immigrant. Very cool. Yeah, she's whiter than I am, though. I'm darker than her. <laughs> <laughs> um, and an immigrant from where? Can I Mexico. Ask that? Okay. Yeah, she comes from northern Mexico. Her ancestors came from England. They crossed the plains with the pioneers. Okay. And then polygamy was a thing. Oh, so yeah, that my, happened. So my ancestry <laughs> is polygamy. Gotcha. Um, no, they don't practice anymore. That's good. But yeah, that's good. <laughs> um, my parents divorced when I was pretty young. Um, Dad's been married four times. Yeah, wow. Hot mess. Dang. Um, I didn't know. That's a lot. Sorry. No, no, no. It's good. Um, I have an older brother. Okay. He's four years older than I am. Then it goes me, two more siblings from my dad's second marriage, and then my mom got remarried, and I have a nine-year-old sister, and she's 15 years younger than I am. Oh, dang. Yeah. So, like, overall, how many siblings? Um, Four. Just the four? Oh, but okay. two that I'm, like, really, really close with. Oh, okay. I, I'm trying to be closer with the other mm-hmm. two, but they live in Arizona. Gotcha. With your dad or your mom? Um, With my dad. Okay. Yeah. And so you live in Idaho with your mom? With my mom, yeah. I live just down the road a little bit. And I live with my mom and my younger sister. And my grandma lives next door to us. Very nice. And it's a party. Right on. I love it. I grew up with, like, a lot of aunts around. And so... Like your mom's sisters? Yeah, my mom's sisters and my grandma. I remember fond memories of them, like, making tamales around the table. Just, like, talking about random stuff. And I was like, this is fun. Right on. This is really good. That is really interesting. So... That's about me. Cool. Yeah. Grew up in small town. Small town, New Mexico? Outside Idaho Falls in Coltman. Gotcha. Yeah. I have no idea what that is. That's okay. That is. I hung out with a lot of homeschooled kids. Very cool. And they were lit. <laughs> <laughs> homeschool kids, I feel like they're, I don't know, I feel like they're going to take over the world. Really? <laughs> they're literally like smarter and like better at everything. They are. Like you go to the public school now. Dude, I have cousins in middle school, and they're they're animals. They're dumb as rocks. They're dumb as rocks. Sorry, I, I hate to. No, they're not dumb <laughs> as rocks. But they talk about the fights that happen at school, the drugs. They're stealing mm-hmm. soap dispensers off the walls. Just, like, stupid stuff. And you're like, what are you guys learning? Exactly. And, and homeschool kids, ridiculous. like, play seven instruments and, like, do sports. Know how to sew, know how to cook. Exactly. Carpentry. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's, I don't know, different breeds. Should have been homeschooled. <laughs> Maybe, I don't know. So what are your thoughts? Say 10, 15, 20 years down the road, you get a family, you have kids, you can homeschool? Maybe. Mm. Um, I don't know. If everything works out the way I want it to, I'm not going to be living in the United States. <laughs> I'm going to be off in the Back middle Mexico, East. Mexico, huh? <laughs> <laughs> See ya. Um, no, I'd love to work abroad, maybe Africa. Mm-hmm. And so I'm going into the nursing program. would love to be an international nurse, work gotcha. for the Red Cross. That'd be way cool. And honestly, I feel happiest when I have like limited resources and low technology because <laughs> then I actually have to interact with people and get outside myself. Gotcha. So probably. Very cool. What about you? Um, I have no idea. I, as I far know. as homeschooling goes, yeah, homeschooling. I think that's a viable option. Not to sound like some weirdo, but I feel like it's with the way things are and like the involvement that certain groups have with like directly to schools, I feel like. They could do a better job. <laughs> Maybe that's, um, um, I don't know, prideful to say, but. It, <laughs> it's kind of a low bar. It, it, it's a it's, low bar. It is a low standard. And yeah. I mean, I've got a sister that's a teacher. I've got a dad. He's also a school teacher. Oh, that's right. They do a great job. But I feel like as a whole, the public schooling system, not for me. Mm-hmm. I feel like if 
at least in my experience, I feel like a lot of things kind of like got either swept under the rug or unnoticed or like mm-hmm. pushed away like by teachers. Like, I guess you could say like the issue lies with, oh, there's lots of issues. Let's, let's not get into Yeah. That. Yeah. You know what? Another episode. Mm-hmm. That's another episode. Not that I have a lot to say about that. Um, I have lots to say about oh. that. Oh, good, good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, James, growing up, you had kind of a unique growing up situation. Growing up situation. Sure, we'll go with that word. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, so, like, what's what's important to you then in life? Where do you place your, where do you place your priorities? Like family, friends? What do you think? I think overall, I place it with family. Mm-hmm. Um, as I've grown up, there's been a lot more social growth and I'm trying to like leave my house and go become my own person. So friends have become really important to me. But at the end of the day, if it's something with the family or if it's something with friends, my default is always to go with the family and help them or yeah. go have fun with them, travel. Yeah, Very cool. What about you? I grew, I grew up around my family. Um, I feel like until I was almost out of the house, every Christmas we had together as one big family, spouses included of like my older siblings that went on and got married and stuff. So I don't know if it comes down to between like family or friends, I feel like I would default like friends are cool. They're going to be there. Family. I'll go with them. I don't know. Well, how often do you see your family? Um, all together. It's uh, been a couple of years. No, well, I guess maybe months. just parents. Just parents. I try to go home like once a month. Okay. It's like an hour drive. Because so. like the only time that I've heard about it is when you had a dentist appointment in Christmas. Mm-hmm. Granted, that was from August to December. So that's still pretty decent. I don't know. I need to... It feels like right now, at least, I want to make it a priority. And so I, I do try mm-hmm. to make a trip home frequently enough to where like, I'm not missing out on a lot of stuff. I respect that. But I don't know. I could definitely do better. I feel like I don't know. Especially when I have more free time, it's it should be more of a priority to kind of nurture those relationships that I have. Yeah. And not to say that I don't, where I am, like, I'm not able to, like, reach out to my family members and talk to them. Well, it's like you have a sister here in town. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, okay. So you're not, like, super spread out and, and like, I feel isolated like, from your family. I don't know. I, I'm, I feel like I'm in pretty good contact with all of them or most of them, mm-hmm. whether that's, like, sending memes or, like... Saying, hey, hope your week's going well, kind of thing, just catching up. You have a lot of dank memes. (laughs) You have some good memes. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. (laughs) Anyway, so, James, um, let's let's say uh, you had a time machine. Ah, this question. Time machine question. Uh, And you could go back and make any change. Or you could go into the future and, like, see what the future's like. Or you could go see the dinosaurs. The one, the one stipulation though is, you got one way ticket. Like once you're there, mm. poof, the time machine disappears, goes somewhere else. What do you do? Right. Do yeah. you use it? I'm do you thinking give that about ticket this. to somebody else. No, because I'm selfish. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna take that trip. Um, where are you going? Probably. When I was a preteen, like 10 to 13 years old, there was a lot of growth and a lot of weird stuff that happened during that time period. Fair enough. And um, overall, I wouldn't change too much about what happened Mm -hmm. because it's turned me into who I am today and it's helped me 
to develop a lot of intuition about people and yeah. see circumstances in a different light. Um, there would only be one experience that I would change. And even then, I don't know if I would do that. Yeah. But to have someone else there to mentor me, to say, hey, this isn't as good a decision as you could have made, mm. or be there just to have someone to talk to, would have been huge. Yeah. Because my mom was working like 60-hour work weeks from home. So even though she was home, she wasn't really no there. No one was present. No one was present. Gotcha. Um, so just to have someone else there to help me through just some weird dynamics that happened yeah. would have been much more enjoyable. Interesting. Yeah. What about you? I feel the same. Like everyone, I feel like everyone has their own personal baggage they carry around with them. That That's true of... That might be another episode. Yeah, no. that might be. And that, that's true of you, me, whoever. Everyone has experiences, a past, history, whatever you want to call it. Um, for me, at least, like, say I had this opportunity. I get a time machine somehow. Magic, mad scientist comes up and goes, hey, one-way ticket, wherever you want, in any timeline. This is like back to any the future. Place. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, but it's a one-way trip kind of thing. And, like, I don't know, maybe a less mature me would be like, heck, yeah, I'm going back. I'm going to mentor little me all until he grows up and I don't make any wrong choices. But, like, thinking about that now, I'm like, well, what did I... I feel like I, from the experiences that I've had, at least, that there has been a lot of growth mm -hmm. and that I, I am who I am because of like what happened. So yeah, it might be nice to have someone to like talk you through what's going on, but I feel like, I don't know, maybe those people were there and I just wasn't aware of it. Agreed. Um, I don't know, a lot of what ifs. Yeah. And yeah, you can't give it away. Mm -hmm. So along that same lines, you know, a lot of people talk about, or let me rephrase that, we see what other people put off, whether it be their talents, their skills, their awesome personality persona. Yeah. We see what people want us to see. Exactly. And so why would someone want to switch places with you? <laughs> <laughs> well, to go back to the whole everyone has a lot of baggage thing, I feel... <laughs> I don't know. When you say switch places, you mean like, like direct switch, like I'm them now, they're me now, I have to deal with their crap, they have to deal with mine. Or I guess why... Why would someone look and be like, wow, it must be nice yeah, to be Yeah, I guess insane. why would someone be envious of you? <laughs> I <That's>, don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no, real question, Sam. You gotta answer this. What is this? <laughs> why would someone be envious of me? Um, I've got a, I've got great parents... Lots of siblings that love me. Um, I, I I get my three square meals a day. I provide that for myself. I have a steady job. I feel like I'm just meeting the basic requirements for life here. But I, <laughs> some people don't have that opportunity. So maybe, I don't know, yeah. somewhere out there, there's someone that goes, man, I really wish I had that. Which sounds kind of selfish of me being like, wow, I only have this. But I, I don't know, I'm content. I'm know, paying for school by myself, having a good time doing it. Like, I don't, I don't know if anyone would be envious of that. I feel like a lot right. of people have gone through right. that experience and have like that, um, I don't know. They have that understanding. They not necessarily would go through it again. You know what I'm saying? But what do you think? Right. Why, why, why should anyone be jealous of you, James? Obviously, it's all about the dimples. Mm. That, <laughs> that's it. <laughs> Cool. Yeah. No, 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 no. Real answer. No, real answer. Um, honestly, when I thought about that, I was like, 
No. No <laughs> one should ever be envious of me because, I don't know, it's different. If you're looking inside of a house mm-hmm. and you're like, wow, that's really nice. They got it really well put together, but you don't actually see what else is happening in different rooms in the house and um, other aspects of that person's life. And so I think what people see is that I think generally they see that I'm happy. Mm-hmm. I think sometimes I come off sickeningly sweet, happy. Probably. I hope not. <laughs> I really hope not. I try to be real with that. Mm-hmm. Um, easy to talk to. Okay. Most of the time. Mm-hmm. And then they see that I have good success at work. Okay. Like in the beginning I struggle because it's new kid problems, oh, but yeah. they don't see me struggling hard every day to do my job. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's what some people would look at me and be so like, I want that. People envy the, the, how do you say that? The effortless. <laughs> yeah. So effortless <laughs> on the inside. I'm just having a meltdown because <laughs> I don't know what to do. But you keep it together, and <laughs> that's what counts, I guess. And then I just go ask you, Sam. I'm like, yeah. I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah, me neither, bud. You're asking the wrong <laughs> person. Oh, man. Alrighty. So, I don't know. That's an interesting question. Why would someone want to change places? Change places? I can't even speak English. Change places with me. Uh, I don't know. Maybe they do. Maybe they don't. I like what I got going for me. Yeah. I don't think I'd want to change with anybody. Agreed. I don't want to switch with anyone either. Mm. Just because I've gotten used to my skill set. And even though some days I'm like, man, I am like a musk thistle in a field of daisies today. (laughs) That's how I feel some days. Because I'm like, well, I've said this, I've said this, I've said this. They've got a weird reaction out of someone. (laughs) Might have just put my foot in my mouth. I do that all the time. Yeah. It's great. And I think to myself, like, dang. Like that was a hot mess, but I've learned how to like cultivate that a little bit better and I've had to be okay with it. Yeah. And left field has kind of become my niche. It's where all the dandelions are. It's where all the dandelions are. (laughs) All the musk thistles. (laughs) (laughs) And so, I don't know, that's just my perspective though. I'm a bit hyper-conscious with that sort of deal. What do you mean by hyper-conscious? Hyper-conscious? Um... Self-conscious about what I do, what I say. Okay. And I was like, hmm, that did not fit as seamlessly oh, as it did in my you. head. Yeah. And, yeah. I don't know. Where we work, we get to interact with a lot of people. We do. It's like a big Petri dish. It's... You can, like, legitimately... everywhere. You can you can try jokes on, like, hundreds of people. You you can try... I, I hate to say this, but pick up lines. You can try, like, conversation intros, icebreakers, legitimately anything. Well, to a degree. But like, reason. Yeah, yeah. As, as far as like being social goes, you you're you're around people all, all day, day long. Yeah. Some people longer than others. Some people for like five minutes at a time. Mm-hmm. So I feel like we get this weird opportunity, if you will, to like interact with so many people, and then like through those interactions, like tune ourselves. If you if you hundred percent, yeah. It's like like you're saying like. You say this, oh, foot in the mouth. Or like, and maybe it's just the person that just... The, the no, 100%. Joke, you just have to know your audience. Kind of and so I think that's neat. I enjoy that, honestly. Because I can choose to talk to 100 people a day, or I can choose to just shut up yeah. and do my job, kind of like go through the paces of it. But when I do, like, say, test out a new joke, or like, get, like see how many donors I can make laugh, or like, I don't know. I think it's a challenge. I think it's fun. It's, it's pretty interesting. fun. 
But when you have an off day, <laughs> <laughs> it's rough. Sometimes I'm like, okay, hey, I just need to yeah. collect myself and try again. Kind of reel it That's in. That's it is, yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, moving forward, we've talked a lot about your experiences, how you grew up, mm-hmm. if you could change, like how you grew up. So like up to this point, what do you think is the most important thing you've learned from your life or your experiences from life? And this doesn't have to be super like invasive. You can answer it pretty, I don't know, superficially if you'd like. I, w- I would like to hear your answer first. What's the most important thing I've learned yeah. from life? Yeah. Hmm. I've learned lots of things. I like to think I've learned lots of things. That sounds kind of like braggadocious. Um, but, hmm. I feel like one of the more important things, I won't say most because there's still a lot more to learn and there, I could be missing something. Um, but I feel like something that my mom's helped me learn and something I've had to learn, like just from experiencing it and like running headfirst into the wall and stuff. Like those are, there's those, those experiences where you, you like, just have to learn for yourself. You go through it and you learn something from it and there's no way else to learn it. You just do. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's anyway, but that would have to be like, once you understand someone, like really understand someone, I feel like you can't hate that person. And maybe maybe they're an evil person and you understand them and you hate them. It's fair. But I feel like intrinsically, like inherently, all we're all human. We all understand that. And I feel like once you understand someone, you're able to like empathize and you're able to sympathize like with what they're going through. And then through that you're able to like you're not so ready to pass judgment and you're not so ready to um, I wouldn't say harm, but you're not so ready to like confront them or assault them or, yeah. or like get really into it. Cause I, f- mm-hmm. at least it's been my understanding that like, because we're all people, we all make mistakes and you see a mistake someone else did. It's hard to look at them. If you were on a level of understanding with them, it's hard to look at them and be like, Oh, because you did that, you're bad, or you're wrong, or you're dumb, or you're stupid. Mm-hmm. When, I mean, you understand everything you've done, and you understand exactly where you stand. So, like, it's hard to kind of point fingers when you got the same kind of things glaring right You back still have you. the same struggles as they do. Yeah. Yeah. I, too, have also learned that. Um, if this is too much, you can also edit this part out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No. Um... For me, it's actually been forgiveness. Okay. Um, and it kind of ties in well to what you've learned. Of yourself or others? Um, both. Okay, good. Um, <laughs> there was a lot of resentment that I had towards people because without another parental figure there, um, the kids have to pick up the slack. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of circumstances behind my parents' divorce that I was really upset about. And... I feel like I never got closure. My mm-hmm. older brother did. He was able to have really good conversations with my dad. But I was ne- never able to get that. And by the time that I was old enough to get that, um, I was flying the middle finger at everyone in the world. And I was just angry and I wanted to move on with my life and I wanted to be an adult. Mm-hmm. And there came a point on my mission where I could either hold on to this anger and resentment and want everyone to fix their crap and their mistakes. Mm -hmm. Or I could let it all go and finally find happiness. Obviously I wasn't happy all the time, but find like that inner peace. Um, And so I struggled for like six months because I decided that I was going to hold on to it. And then finally I broke. Yeah. Oh, bro. (laughs) Oh man. 
Um, and so when I finally like started to let that forgiveness come in, it changed my perspective from everyone needs to fix their crap and needs to kind of pay restitution for that including myself, because I'm not a hypocrite. I'm like, yeah, I've done these things. I need to fix that too. Um, I just held people to a harder standard. Mm-hmm. Um, and so as I've done that and I've allowed people to stay where they're at, but allow me to just focus on other happier things. And it's changed my perspective of, you know, focusing on other people's flaws and just being able to focus on myself and be like, you know what? They're having a rough day today. Sucks for them. I'm going to try to still be happy and uplifting, but I'm not going to let what they're doing affect me as much. Mm. And Which is kind of like, a sh- at least when I see something, it's like a sign of like personal emotional maturity. Like you've got to the yeah. point where like, I can only do this for me and everyone else kind of doing their own thing is like, not to say that's, that's their problem, but more like that's their personal responsibility. And, and they have to work that out for themselves. Mm-hmm. If it affects me, like, you'll do your best where you yeah. can, but only to a degree. kind of. Only to a degree. I won't solve their problems. And you know what? Life sucks. Mm-hmm. You can do everything right in life and still fail. Mm-hmm. And that's probably the hardest lesson anyone's going to ever have to learn is you did everything perfectly, and yet someone else still got what you wanted. Exactly. And, and that's a lesson you have to learn, I feel like, so very often in life. Because we get, at least for me, like... I get to the point where I feel like, oh, I'm entitled to this. Mm-hmm. Like, I've done the homework. I've done the job perfectly. Like, it's mine. And then say I'm, like, studying for a test, bomb the test. I'm like, okay, I did everything right. <laughs> what went wrong kind of thing. Or, like, I work so hard. I, I put up so many great numbers of work. Promotion gets passed over me. Mm-hmm. I feel terrible about myself because I feel like I put too much value of myself in those things. When it, when it comes back to, like, okay, maybe other people are making decisions. Maybe I didn't study quite hard enough. When there's other things, like, at least for me, it's harder to, like, pull back that entitlement and, like, look at it with a better, like, I don't know, higher perspective. I think it's easier to look back with a higher perspective than in the moment. Mm -hmm. Because when you look back, you can see, like, oh, that promotion wasn't actually that great. And I wouldn't have done well in that position. Or good thing I didn't go here because I wouldn't have ended up with what I actually wanted, which is where I'm at right now. Yeah. And so, I don't know, time is a tricky thing. It is. We all need a time machine. Yeah. yeah, continue. You have a quote. I do. So I was same, same, I wouldn't say same situation as you, but like still upset with people, like not mm-hmm. meeting the standard. And I don't know. I, again, like I had overlooked my own, like not meeting my own standard, but still like mm-hmm. judging people for like not making expectations or like not being who they said they were being yeah. or stuff like that. And at this time of, I don't feel, I feel like I was angry, but maybe I was missing the point rather. Like I wasn't upset with people, but just in general, just upset. Mm-hmm. And uh, I got this quote from my mom. She sent this to me one day, and it's by an Afton J. Day. It says, life is so simple when you learn to allow others to be inadequate. So, like, we let, I feel like I give myself a lot of slack. Like, oh, I messed up, whatever. But you look at somebody else, like, oh, they messed up. They caused this problem. They mm-hmm. suck. But, like, when you let people, like, screw up and, like, be inadequate or, mm-hmm. you know, not meet the standard, you're kind of like... I don't know. You're being merciful, if you will, to them and allowing them to be human. Mm-hmm. All right. I will say, mm. okay, personal hot take on my part. Mm-hmm. This is something that I struggle with on a daily basis. Okay. It's weird because of the stuff that I've struggled with mm. and going through my, my life, I feel inadequate on a daily basis. So when someone opens up about their inadequacies, 
inadequacies to me. I'm thinking like, oh my gosh, like take a break. You need to go on vacation, go on vacation. Like I'll fix everything for you. Mm-hmm. But if there's an arrogance associated with their inadequacy and they try to cover it up and act like they're like the hot cheese on the floor, <laughs> if they're the big lobster, I'll use that term, the big lobster. Um, <laughs> I get really upset with mm-hmm. that because I find it inauthentic. I find it very prickly and abrasive. And I'm like, can you just come have a conversation with me instead of yelling at me? And, you know, I'm trying to fix my mistakes over here and you're mm-hmm. causing all these problems over here, <laughs> but you're choosing to point out my inadequacies. Yeah. I'm more likely not explode, yeah, but definitely start expressing my mind and or be resilient or yeah. stubborn. I wouldn't, well, stubborn is a good word. Stubborn is a good word. And then I'll start like circumventing that person mm-hmm. and I need to be better about that. I need to just like go and like address the issue with the person, but I, I don't know. The arrogance aspect of it is very frustrating for me. Yeah. I feel like that's something I need to, maybe everyone could work on. Everyone you know could work on, yeah. It's just being aware of, I don't know, like if you're in a situation where you have to like confront someone or like be confronted by somebody, it's better to like sit down, have the conversation and maybe even like have that conversation at like a separate time when you, you can like sit down and be civil yeah. about things. I feel like a lot, a lot more things are settled when you're in a place where they should be settled. Like, and when I say mm-hmm. place, they should be settled. Like you're in a proper headspace and you're able to speak normally and civilly without all the anger and emotion behind it. Exactly. Yeah. Without the yeah. tension. Agreed. All right. So we've talked about, you know, our backgrounds, our family situations, our personal growth mm-hmm. when it comes to other people. Yeah. And I don't know, the moral that I'm kind of seeing for our conversation here is to approach people with an attitude of humility and understanding mm-hmm. so that when you do have to talk to someone, you're not coming from a place of superiority or frustration or anger. That's just going to make things a lot worse. Mm-hmm. You're going in with the attitude where you're going to make the situation better and both of you are going to be better people after leaving it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. It's when everyone has their own struggles. And so it, when we are confronted with like someone that we need to like talk with, confront, what have you, when we do understand that everyone has those struggles, that we can then approach them from like a, a perspective of, hey, we all got problems. Maybe this needs to change. Or like, hey, I, I understand that you got your thing. I got my thing. I apologize for whatever I did kind of thing. Agreed. That makes sense? Yeah. And maybe just to spin it off a little bit more. Yeah. We all have our own individual struggles and stuff that we're going to go through, but we're also going to have like our individual successes Mm -hmm. and that we shouldn't be envious of someone else's success. Yeah. Because I think that's easy. When you're at the low point, you're like, everyone else around me is literally having success except for me. What the heck is wrong with me? Or why can't I do things better? Why is there, you know, X, Y, Z going on? Mm -hmm. But to think about it from a perspective of, if everyone else is having this, so will I. Yeah. Because everyone else is also having struggles. Mm-hmm. And so knowing that your time will come. Yeah. And your time to shine might be around the corner and you just got to wait a little bit longer. Yeah. And I don't know, people don't necessarily broadcast their, their problems. It's typically, it's, yeah. the, it's the wins that get mm-hmm. posted out there like, hey, look at this cool thing I did. Or I got this cool thing. Or stuff like that. It's not like, wow, my life sucks. My dog died. Everything. I know. Everyone terrible. gets weird about those posts exactly. anyway. So, mm-hmm. so I, yeah. Anyhow. Yeah. 
Well, it's been fun. This has been Speaking Terms with Sam. And James. We'll catch you uh, here soon. Oh,